The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to The Paranet Podcast with your host, me, Patrick Lunn, and... Me, Rob Davis. There we go. And today we have a fantastic episode for you guys. Uh, we're going to be getting into some of the steamiest chapters of the Dresden Files uh, with our part seven. Whew, God, we're already deep into it. Part seven of Death Mass. <laughs> um, we're also going to be talking about uh, shipping characters in Dresden Files, whether that's your, your tea or not, uh, your cup of tea. Uh, that is fine. Um, and, uh, yeah, just getting into some of the serious stuff. Uh, the real meat and potatoes of this book, uh, like the existence of Satan in the Dresden Files universe, uh, which will be fun to talk about. Um, so, yeah, but before all that... Um, Shall we shall we do some shipping, Rob? Yeah, let's do some shipping. <laughs> Secret shipping. The the hype is unreal from Rob. Um so uh shipping people know what shipping is, don't they? I mean I I assume so. Unless you want to explain any rundown. Yeah, just in case people aren't down with the lingo. <laughs> um, oh, I sound so old. Um, shipping is is basically characters that you would like to see in a relationship. Um, and we, this was just a a bit of fun, really, on characters we think would make fun relationships, good relationships, would end up well together in the Dresden Files series. Um, so, do you want me to go first this week, Rob? Yeah, because I'm still having a think, and I'm still not sure who I'd go with. Okay, that's cool. Um, so, there's there's a few that I uh, I, I like to think of. Um, one is um, Ebenezer McCoy and Mab. Ooh. Uh, yeah, um, we know that Mab has previously uh, been in relationships with other wizards. Uh, we don't know much about Ebenezer McCoy's partner. Um, I mean, she's obviously dead, um, and we and we kind of. I I think there was a bit of mention in the last book that it was kind of out of his hands, but not much more than that. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like Ebenezer and Mab could get on quite well. Um, I think the main stumbling block would be Ebenezer's complete distrust of fairies. Of anything. Yeah. Of anything. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but that, that's an interesting one. Um, Another one that 
Um, I think people who've read Ghost Story particularly might get this, um, and that's Billy Borden and Karen Murphy. Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, I especially in Ghost Story, they kind of become the two pillars of the magical community mm. in Chicago, and and I just get the feeling that they both have a good understanding of like loyalty and honor, um, and I feel like Murphy is big into people that are fighters and are tough and brave. Um, and your man, Billy the werewolf hits all those things. Uh, and as for Billy, I think, um, a lot of what he sees in Georgia, um, George's character has some similarities to Murphy in the way that they're both very supportive, very brave, kind of kick-ass, not afraid to speak their mind, uh, would definitely push back against Billy on things. Um, so I could definitely see those characters going together. Um, and then let's do a let's do a same-sex pairing. Uh, so it's got to be. I mean, it's got. It, I think it's got to be Thomas Wraith. Um, and I'm trying to think who, who would Thomas Wraith go with if it wasn't for Justine? Anyone? Um, you know, you know what I could see. I could see Thomas Wraith and Rodriguez from the White Council. Um. Uh, I, I think that, that could be possible. Um, is there anyone else that you can think of, Rob? Um, I'm trying to think, but, like, I'm not getting anything. Like, I'm tr- Maybe, like, Ebenezer and Anastasia Lucio. Yeah, that would make sense. Just, that would, that just, would make a lot of sense. Just because I can't think of anyone else. Um... I don't know. I'm trying to think of one like a good match with Lara Rafe. That isn't um, Harry or... I, you know, I could definitely see in another world Lara Rafe and Bianca forming like a power couple. Yeah. I'd be up for that. Um, that would have been that would have been pretty cool. Um <sighs> I can't. I can't put Michael Carpenter with anyone but Charity. No, that's not allowed. <laughs> that's not allowed. Yeah, they're just too perfect. Um, is anyone? Uh, I. I like Molly and uh, Ramirez makes a lot of sense to the point that Jim kind of teased it at one point. Um, I'm trying to think if there's is there anyone else. Uh, I mean, I, I'd be interested to see what, like, um, Goodman Gray or Kincaid's thoughts on sexuality were, because I think both of them are quite otherworldly, so maybe they'd be more, they would see people more as people. I don't even know, I mean, we know that Kincaid's got, like, some sexual nature, um, I don't know about Goodman. No, it's um, 
Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> God, we're, we're already getting to steamy territory, and we're not even at the steamy bit. Jesus, um, yeah. Uh, okay, is there any um, any of the who we got left? So we've done, we've kind of done the core Dresden fan, uh, the core Dresden group. Um, I, I think Toot Toot and Lacuna makes sense. I can't imagine Toot being with anyone else. Really? Same. Uh, we've done the white court. Um, weirdly, I think I could kind of see Morgan and Murphy um, if they'd have met in completely different circumstances. I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not a great shipper, are you, Rob? No, it's not. It's not really my thing. And I mean, I don't even notice these kind of things in like real life, you know. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, fair enough. Um, I I feel like there's there's got to be more out there. Um, uh, Mouse and Cerberus. Um, <laughs> but now that's just kind of grouping them on species really more than anything um, no, right um, I feel like there are some really good ships out there that we're just completely missing and, and I'm, I'm really interested to know what people's Dresden file ships are I mean obviously the main ones are going to be around Harry um, yeah. but yeah I'm, I'm just I'm very interested do you have a final um, ship for Harry? I would be interested in seeing the uh, like a Harry Molly ship at some point. I would also be very interested in seeing the Harry Molly ship. It's just I don't know how you turn it from that kind of master and apprentice kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess where they're at in the series is kind of beyond Master Apprentice now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just looking at some ships on Reddit and one's like, Bob and Mr. Forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then someone's gone through and rated every uh, every possible Harry ship. So you've got Harry and Elaine, Harry and Murphy, Harry and Molly, Harry and Lucio, Harry and Lara, and then right at the bottom, Harry and Sanya. We can only hope, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot of love for Harry and Molly. Um, a lot of love, actually. Uh, which, yeah, I can see that. Um, there's also a lot of love for Michael and Charity. Um, yeah, I think, uh, that's, that's probably about it. I mean, we're going to probably talk a little bit more in this episode about how, uh, Dresden approaches, uh, how Jim Butcher approaches romance in Dresden. Um, and it's interesting because I feel like it's kind of matured through the series. Mm hmm. 
Hmm. Uh, and maybe it's matured with Jim Butcher a little. Um, but it has a very... Um, there aren't many characters in the Dresden Files that have multiple part, multiple long-term partners. It seems to be you're either like Thomas Race and a kind of floating around the dating pool, although he does eventually have one uh, partner, um, or you have someone that you're kind of meant to be with, uh, i.e. Charity and Michael or Billy and Georgia. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's it's a bit of a hard franchise to ship in some ways. Um, I think there's less um, there's less n- non-heterosexual pairings than I I thought there were. Like it feels like there is a, a bit of a gap in that. Um, I don't think that there are really many gay pairings in Dresden. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. No, I'm trying to think. No, not that I can think of. I mean, I'm surprised we haven't had like anything like that more within the White Court. Yeah, that would it would especially make sense there, and and I, yeah, I just feel like there would definitely would be a place for it somewhere. Um, hmm, it's an interesting one. Maybe one to keep an eye out for as we go. Maybe it has been put in there, but we just haven't really noticed it. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Um, so moving uh, onwards, um, shall we just get into the book club? Um, yeah, maybe. I think I feel like it's time. Yeah, I feel like we're going to need a bit of time on this one, so let's let's just dive in feet first. Um, so, uh, after that kind of meandering uh, para networking, um, <laughs> this is our Justin Files book club. It's mine and Rob's uh, run through every book, comic, film, TV, uh, any other adaptation of Jim Butcher's work as well as the main novels of the Dresden Files series. Uh, We are currently on book five. Uh, Every week we do the previous four chapters, and then we do four new chapters, and we do a little bit of lit crit, and talking about uh, what we like about it, what we don't like about it, talking about any points, any discussion that comes from it. Um, And, yeah, that's, that's how we get down. Um, so, uh, this week, uh, we are covering part seven of Death Mass. <laughs> Last time on The Dresden Files, Harry comes around and finds himself bound in chapter 21. Helpless as Nicodemus's prisoner. Nicodemus arrives in his pyjamas, the Hugh Hefner look. Harry tries talking to the goons guarding him, but Nick states their tongues have been removed. Nicodemus acknowledges that he remembers and respected Harry's mother fondly, also referring to him as her youngest child. Nick wants to know Harry better, 
get a better judge of his character, etc. Remember that we don't know the Denarians are in town. Sorry. Nick wants to know Harry better, get a better judge of his character, etc. Remember that we know that the Denarians are in town on a recruitment drive. Nicodemus adds that he won't underestimate Harry. He knows that Harry has taken out rival practitioners, a fairy queen, and a member of the Red Court. Nicodemus reveals he is responsible for editing the Knight's Prophecy, and we are formally introduced to Deirdre, Nick's daughter. Then Deirdre and Nicodemus make out. Dresden is offered to join the Denarians or die. Nick tells Harry that he does not want... that he does what he does out of fear and what uh, of what he could do. Kravos, Victor Sells, etc. Harry tells Nicodemus to fuck off. Chapter 22. Shiro arrives, knocking the goons unconscious uh, around Nicodemus. Um, he causes Nick to show some actual fear. Um, and uh, Nicodemus ends up holding a knife to Dresden's neck. Shiro manages to take Deirdre hostage, his blade against her neck, his expression serious. Nicodemus refuses redemption and to hand over Harry. Shiro offers a trade, his life for Harry's freedom. Nicodemus agrees, so long as Shiro is at his mercy and will not try to escape for 24 hours. Harry is then set three and is told to flee as fast as he can by Shiro, as Shiro is consumed by shadows. Shiro's last act is to give over Fidelokius to Harry, his sword of the cross and his only ability to escape Nicodemus. As Harry runs, he sees uh, Shiro release Deirdre and becomes submerged in Nicodemus's shadows. Deirdre is then ordered to kill Harry and retrieves the sword. Harry gets into a scuffle, thankfully not with Deirdre in the darkness. Harry isn't sure who it is, so just continues to fight them. We can assume it's probably one of the tongueless goons. Harry is reunited with Susan and the two escape on the town. Susan says that she went to Michael's for help and Shira knew where to go, offering help. Martin arrives with the car. Harry and Susan get in and they drive away while being pursued. Harry suggests his place as a safe house. Harry and Susan jump out of a moving car. They manage to evade the pursuers, who continue to follow Martin's car. Harry's wizard senses tingle as he becomes the target of a particularly harsh entropy curse. Super bad luck. Uh, Harry and Susan manage to evade the curse and get into Harry's apartment and within his wards. Susan's vampiric thirst is on edge and her control uh, is on the edge of her control. Harry offers her a Coke. She says that she needs to leave for Harry's safety, but with the entropy curse, pursuers... Uh, and Harry's strong defences, they are trapped together for a while. Noticing that Susan starts ogling his gunshot wounds, Harry goes to clean the wound, but when he returns, Susan's condition has worsened, and they agree that she must be restrained. Over to you, Rob. So chapter 25. Um, before we get down to the dirty bits, Harry and Susan talk for a bit, and we find out more about the, the Fellowship also known as the Fellowship of St. Giles, which is... Uh, how do we put this? It's made, it's a group made up of half-turned vampires like Susan who try to help people harmed by the Red Court. Isn't that nice? Um, I I hate it when they call it the Fellowship of St. Giles. 
Yeah. Um, I'm sure that that's in the book at some point. <laughs> Probably. Um, uh, yeah. The tattoos that kind of engulf Susan are part of a spell that helps bind her vampire aspects and warns that they are getting out of control. Isn't that handy? Yes. Um, back to the whole Susan need to being, needs being restrained. Um, she willingly agrees to let Harry use an enchanted rope to help bind her to stop her from losing further control and possibly killing him. Um, during this, Susan gets really aggressive and super horny. Um, and it like it starts getting even steamier from here. And it's it's all a bit weird, but they, they do the deed, you know? Um, <laughs> I especially like in the notes that Pat has written, like, a passage from the book next to it in big capital letters. It reads, we can never read this on air. So... <laughs> I'm not going to read it. You're more than welcome to, Pat. But yeah, basically, they fuck. Um, their feet touch and they fuck. Those are the rules. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, afterwards, they they just kind of declare their love or confess their love and then fall asleep separately for a little while, which, whatever. It's, it's a weird chapter. Um, kind of threw me out of it actually when we first when I first read it at least. Um, oh, me too. Uh, yeah, this is yeah. it, it's crazy. Um, it, it's weird because this chapter, if you just took it out on its own, I mean, it, it's pretty much pornographic. <laughs> yeah, the detail it goes into. Yeah, it's um, hmm. yeah, chapter twenty six. Um, they wake up and. I guess Harry and Susan talk for a bit. Um, oh, man. Sorry, this, the previous chapter's just so fucking weird. Um, <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, like she... Are you reading the quote? <laughs> yeah, sorry, I just started reading, like, yeah, the quotes, and I'm just like, yeah, we're definitely... Because I was tempted to read it, but then I'm like, no. No, I'm not reading that. No. Um... <laughs> Harry and Susan like wake up and they kind of discuss all this shit. Um, we find out that when when Harry was taken, Martin and Anna went to. Sorry, her, Susan, Martin, and Anna went to Michael Carpenter's. After, um, and yeah, I think I think I mentioned this in the previous chapter when Susan popped up initially. They went to Michael Carpenter's house and you know need in need of help, and it was Shira who volunteered to. Um, kind of give them that helping hand. Um, Michael is away on a holy crusade matter. He's busy, occupied, along with Sonia, and they leave Anna Valmont at the Carpenter household. Um, yeah. Um, nothing has really changed between Harry and Susan. Like Once this whole thing ends, they're still kind of like, oh, I can't be around you anymore, meh, which is super annoying. Um, but yeah, like, in any case, Harry, like, he, he gets dressed and puts all his, like, clothes back on and shit. And in brackets, you have here what the, what is a squall jacket. And I honestly have no idea. Yeah. It, it, Harry's just like, I put on my squall jacket. And I was just like, what is a squall jacket? 
Um, and that was to tell me to go and look that up. Um, and I never did. Um, I was going to say, like, I looked it up and there are two two sources here, which is, one, it's more of a hiking jacket, and two, it's the little weird leather jacket with fur in it that only on Heart War in Final Fantasy VIII, which is what I would have assumed. So I don't know which one of those is correct. I'm, I'm wondering which one he put on. Uh, yeah. I, I like to think it's the uh, Squall Leon heart coat, because that's just kind of funny. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, like, like I say, they, they both kind of agree at this point. Nothing's changed between them, and Susan is still, still going to like leave the Arcane and leave Chicago for good. Uh, we roll into chapter 27. Ooh, yeah. They head to um, Michael Carpenter's house and they meet up with Father Forthill, who is looking after the children and Anna Valmont. And we have this really, I think it's quite funny, like the scene where um, Harry goes to talk to Anna Valmont and she's pretending to be asleep. Um, He's kind of like, oh yeah, if you don't wake up now, I'm calling the cops. And he gets as far as, I think, dialing the number before she's like, wait! No help. Um, yeah, and it's the classic thing of like, oh yeah, I'll help, but first I need to go into this bathroom that has a window. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we get a bit more info on Michael and Sonia as well, who were jailed for 24 hours in St. Louis while investigating potential denarian activity. Um, we get a bit more... Yeah, here. they say it was like a, a sun trap. Yeah, like kind of thing just to slow them down. Yeah, um, Dresden heads back out to the yard and he talks to Father Forthill a bit more. Who? <laughs> what does himbo mean? Because <laughs> this came up in um, Will's birthday quiz, like him <laughs> saying, like he taught me the meaning of the word himbo, and I, I was meant to look it up, but it doesn't say that. And in the notes, you've just wrote Father Forthill, who is being a total himbo. A himbo is um, essentially a male bimbo. Oh, okay. It's just like... Oh, yeah, I get just, it. Yeah, uh, he's just being super ripped and he's just doing some hardware activities mm. in the back garden. Yeah. Um, like a turtle himbo. <laughs> Fair enough. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we get a bit more information from Fort Hill about Nicodemus. Um and I can't remember before or after this, Harry, Harry mentions the whole he was offered a coin. And it's I think there's a really silly question here because Harry's like, oh yeah, they tried to get me to join them. And Fort Hill's like, did they offer you a coin? And Harry's like, yeah. Fort Hill's response is, did you take it? And it's like, well, obviously not. But um, yeah, we get a bit more information from Nicodemus about Nicodemus here. Um, that he's killed over a hundred knights of the cross um, and we learn that his the angel bonded to his coin is Anduril, I don't know if that's pronounced correctly, who is one of the lieutenants of Satan. And unlike other Denarians, Nicodemus and Anduril have a partnership. They're working together. They're both incom- like evil pieces of shit. They're both bad news. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, we also learn that like Harry kind of scribbles out a rough drawing of the coin that he was offered based on his memory. 
and shows it to Fort Hill. And Fort Hill informs him that the coin he was you know, offered contained the temptress, Lashiel. Another fallen angel, obviously. Um, yeah, Fort Hill suggests that Harry should go check on Anna Valmont because obvious reasons he let her go to the bathroom and she's a fucking rogue at level like, yeah um and yeah as as this happens he sees her drive away in the blue beetle which is pretty annoying and i feel harry should have seen this coming really but whatever um he goes back to fort hill and sees that father Hill has a tattoo on his arm of the i can't remember what it was the eye of something the eye of foth foth yeah sure um and Harry asks about this tattoo, and Fort Hill says to him that that you know him and some other priests got this tattoo after dealing with the supernatural. And at this point, Harry realizes the importance of the eye, which Father Vincent doesn't have, even though he should. And he kind of it, it clicks in his head that Father Vincent is a bit of a shady motherfucker. So he decides it's time to go pay him a visit and maybe question him a bit about this. And as luck would have it, at this point, Michael and Sanya both arrive, which, you know, is, is handy because he needs a lift. He needs a lift there, Pat. He does. Cool. Man man needs a bit of help. Man needs an Uber. Yeah. Like, damn. Um, yeah, chapter 28. Harry, Michael, and Sanya arrive at Father Vincent, and Harry just straight up beats the shit out of him. Um, and at gunpoint, we find out that he's the snake demon. Uh, Saluril? 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 Blair. And the wielder yeah. of the demon is Quintus Cassius, who killed the real Father Vincent and replaced him. And he... He relinquishes control of the coin and mockingly begs for mercy. And the knights reveal that because he's surrendered and they've got the coin, they can't do anything to him. Like, that's basically it. Um, we also get the information here that Sanya was once a denarian as well. But, yeah, he shed his coin by choice, which meant, you know... He can't get fucked up any further, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. At this point, the knights leave, but I, I love this it, this thing because, and I can't remember. Oh, you've got it written down. Thank fuck, because it's probably my favorite line within the series. Because the night, the two knights leave the motel room, and Harry just fucking like picks up a baseball bat and like cracks one of the um, uh, Quintus Cassius's knees, and. Like, yeah, because this guy's just mocking him, being like, "Oh, you, I'll have another coin sooner or later." Meh. And like, because the knights can't—they're bound to a certain code. They can't beat the shit out of this guy or interrogate him any further, because their main priority is getting the coins, which they now have. And Harry pops a kneecap and is just like, "You know, people like you always mistake compassion for weakness." Michael and Sonya aren't weak, but fortunately for you, they're good men. Unfortunately for you, I'm not. 
and he fucking beats the absolute shit out of this guy, which is mwah, chef's kiss. It is, it is everything that I need right now. You know, um, it's yeah, it's a massive Chad move to use the kids' vernacular. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he like he he beats the fuck out of him, breaking like you know he he, he breaks his knees, breaks his ankles, and all this kind of shit. Darius other bones, just to find out the whereabouts of Nicodemus and what his plan is, and we find out that Nicodemus is going to be at the airport that evening, and he plans to like unleash a plague, and he needs the shroud to kind of spread this all around and all that kind of shit. Um, yeah, and at this point, you know. Harry's got what he needs, and he, and I love this scene just because he strolls out the motel room with the bat and everything, leaving this guy just fucking beaten to a pulp. And Michael is looking on as a kind of like, that's not very nice kind of way, typical Michael. But Sonia has a grin on his face, which just kind of suggests that he would do it if he wasn't bound by the knights of the uh, cross, like on a code. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's what do we you want to cover. How, how I was going to say, do you want to do you want to cover the last bit of that with the uh, the nickel? I think it is. Um, I'll let you do that if you want. Yeah, sure. So uh, he's got him like bleeding out on the floor with the broken bones and everything, um, and he gives uh, he gives Quintus Cassius a nickel and says. Uh, Looks like you need an ambulance. You're gonna to have to make your way to a pay, uh, to the payphone across the way, uh, across some broken glass. And Quintus looks at um, a phone in the room, and Harry just smashes it with the baseball bat. <laughs> oh man, forgot about that. Uh, it's man, it, it's Harry kind of at his most like um, devastating, I guess. It's quite dark for him. Yeah, like it's it's dark, but I feel it's like a scene that's a long time coming at the same time. Oh, definitely. They've been screwing him around for a while. Um and yeah, like you say, Harry, Michael and Sanya transform and roll out. Um and yeah, that's uh that's these chapters. Um I Okay, so the the Chapter twenty five is, is is a beast all to itself um, that we'll tackle in a second. Um, I really enjoy the interrogation. I enjoy Dresden getting to the point where he figures everything out when he sees the eye of Foth tattoo, and then he's like, oh, like the corpse and like this, and puts it all together. And it's like uh, it's that kind of. Uh, we're heading into the big finale feeling. I really enjoy that. Um, I also really, really enjoy the morning after kind of scene with Dresden and Susan where she just wants to talk shop and not really mention much about um, what happened the previous night. Um, and he's like, what does this mean? And she's just like, yeah, nothing, nothing changes. It is just what it is. Mm. Um, I feel again that that's a good understanding of like exes and relationships from Jim. Um, 
but yeah, uh, so let's let's dive in. Um, chapter twenty-five, notorious, I think, in the Dresden fan community for being <sighs> particularly over the top. Yeah. Uh, it just. I don't know. I it feels gratuitous. Yeah, I I really don't know what to say because I mean we we have like sex scenes later on in the book as well, but they're nowhere near this level. And I think I don't know. I I think I found it so bizarre the first time I read it because one I don't know you just have all these action packed scenes, and then it goes into this, so it just seemed a bit odd but also the fact that like there's a weird kind of bdsm element because she's there like definitely is and it's just a bit like i don't know it, it's it's probably the only time i've been uncomfortable reading like a sex scene in a book i think what gets me is that it doesn't cut away yeah like most stuff you get like a bit of ha 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 and then it cuts away. Uh, yeah, whereas I mean, that's this, that's what it... we get later on in the series as well. Like, I can't remember. Yeah, like just well, any fucking scene really. It will be like, oh yeah, we started making out, and then she wrapped her legs around me, and then like they'll say something sexy like, oh blah 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 blah, and then it will fucking be the end of the chapter. And then the next chapter is like him driving home the next day, being like. Oh, I spent last night with blah blah blah, and I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> and I feel like I can do anything. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, um, I, 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 I think that this is a sign of like as the series is growing up, kind of. Um, I mean, the obvious parallel is like Game of Thrones, where. It was very sexual in the first couple of series, and then it kind of started to dial down a little bit towards the end. Mm. Um, but I feel like this is, yeah, it just it, it feels really out of place. And it feels really unnecessary. Uh, the next chapter, one of the the points that I put in our notes was that um, that like in chapter twenty six, they basically. Susan and Harry both agree that nothing that happens in chapter 25 changes anything. Um, so then it's kind of like, okay, well then why was this put in there? Mm. Um, and I, and like, yeah, we know the reason really is just kind of for that, that sexy element, but I'm not sure that's why anyone reads the Dresden files. I mean, um, it's not why I read anything. No, <laughs> There are books for that. Uh, it's like the Karma Sutra and stuff. You, if you want to read that kind of thing, go read that. If you want some weird BDSM fucking fantasy, go read fucking Fifty Shades of Grey or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I think it's just... It just it seems a little bit strange. And there's, there's a lot of... Um, it just goes into, like... The, the the paragraph that I, I've shared with uh, with Rob, and you can find this in the book. Uh, I'm not going to read it, but um, it's the one that starts with uh, 
she screamed and then you'll you'll get it from there uh but it it is so uh specific and visceral um it's just too much it's mm. just too much um and i i I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe we are being a little bit prudish here, but I'm, or maybe this is a British thing. I don't know, but it, it just, uh, it could have been done so much more delicately, um, and I think it just kind of cheapens it a bit yeah. for me. Um, I'd be interested to see what Jim thought of the scene now, because he's definitely refrained from doing this in later books. Um, and I wonder why he's done that in later books, but went for it here. Um, is there anything else that you want to pull out on that? Not particularly. No. Fair enough. I think that's kind of... That's covered pretty well there. Um, but if you're into it, no shame. Uh, uh, it's just... I think we we both find that it's almost like it's a bit lazy. I think to just, yeah. it's like it's like oh, I'm gonna put this in here because it's gonna make some people read it who normally wouldn't. And it's like well, if they normally wouldn't, then yeah. Anyway, the um, Anna Valmont scene we kind of covered it. Um, it's a fun scene with her and and Harry. Uh, where he he kind of tricks her by saying that he's going to call the police. Um, I think that's quite well done. Um, I like I I really like her character because she is just this like slippery rogue. Yeah, I mean that's why I like her it's too. Very... Like, like I think in the read through there, I, I referenced her as being like a level ten rogue, and yeah. therefore can't be trusted. Exactly, and it's just like whatever you do, she's obviously gonna try and find a way to like get away and slip into the shadows, kind of thing. Uh, and and she plays on Harry's like um, white knighting, I guess, a mm. lot. Uh, where she's just like, I just wanted to help, and please, Mister Dresden. And he's like, it's okay, I will find a way to help you. And then she's like, hee <laughs> hee um, So, yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, we hear about Fort Hill and uh, his time in seminary school where him and a group of priests all teamed up to take down a supernatural threat. Um, it's kind of kick-ass. Like, it sounds like... Um, I, I just love the idea of this, like, god squad taking on, uh, like, these supernatural threats together. Unfortunately, Fort Hill says it was mm. kind of a one-time thing, um, and then they all went their, their own different ways. But that's still a story that I'd love to hear. Uh, what about you? Yeah, it's very... I enjoy that. It's very... It gives a bit more about his past, for one, which is always a plus. Yeah. But to me, it was very John Constantine. Like, early days John Constantine as well, where it was like a group of, I think, him and like maybe four other dudes um, performed an exorcism on a little girl. It went all wrong, and then gradually, one by one, they all started to die. Um, it kind of reminded me of that, I guess. Um, 
But no, like you say, like, I mean, one of my favorite films is The Exorcist, so I'd love to see, like, a Father Thought Hill story, which is kind of taking a few influences from that. That would be friggin' awesome. Definitely. Um, and then the next revelation that we get is that uh, Satan is real. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, <laughs> like, Anduriel is a lieutenant of Satan after he fell from God. And this is where the Dresden Files universe gets into a, a weird kind of corner, I guess. Where it's like, yeah, so vampires and werewolves and all that stuff, that's real. Also, all the Christian mythology is real. Mm. Um, and it's just kind of wild that there's somewhere in the Dresden verse that is a Lucifer slash Satan character. Um do you think he's going to be the final villain? I'm not sure about a final villain, but it would be interesting to see, given given just all the characters and like creatures, mythologies and stuff we, we explore after this. Like uh, We get a bit of Norse mythology and Greek mythology as well, so it would be really interesting to see like um, Satan, Lucifer, in, in all his glory, I suppose. I'd like him as I would definitely like him as like a bit part in the Dresden Files. Yeah, like, I mean, uh, either way, it would be interesting to see the interpretation, I suppose. Yeah, I don't think I really need um, Dresden defeating the devil and bringing down hell. Um, oh no, not I, at all. Yeah, I think that would be a bit much. Um. But yeah, I could definitely go for like it'd be cool if Harry had to get some information off him or something. Yeah, um, that's kind of the capacity I'd like. Yeah. Uh and then we get the whole uh Soluriel, Father Vincent, Quintus Cassius stuff. I love the name Quintus Cassius, it just sounds like something from Gladiator. It does, doesn't it? My name is Quintus Cassius. Are you not entertained? Um, that yeah, uh, Soluriel uh, is the kind of sneaky boy look uh, with the magic powers and stuff. Um, it's interesting because we find that Father Vincent has been Soluriel the whole time that Dresden's known him, um, and was actually killed on his way into Chicago, um, and. Uh, they think, uh, well, Dresden puts together that uh, it's the mystery body in the morgue uh, is Father Vincent because he had the Eye of Thoth tattoo. Um, yeah. So that put that kind of crosses that off. Um, we also get into uh, Sonia's past is uh, very brief, where Harry is having a go at Solurial and being like, uh, none of you. Uh, guys that take up the coins uh, or girls take up the coins. Um, none of you are ever going to give them up. They they represent so much power and stuff and you've, you've given yourself over to them. Who would ever give them up? And then Sanya pipes up that he did give up a coin. <laughs> um, 
to become a Knight of the Cross, which is really interesting. Uh, I really like this about Sanya that he he had this like redemption thing. Mm. Um, It'd be interesting to see more of that because I know he does go into it. I think in another book. Or maybe even he this. Does, yeah. I can't remember, but he, he does go into it. But I, I <coughs> excuse me, I just love. I don't know. I, f- I feel like we get all this information about characters as we go on, but like, I mean, mo- most of it is explored at some point. But it's just the weight. Like, oh my god. Yeah, I mean, something that Jim does really well is these kind of bits of character spread out across multiple meetings. Um, and I think um, we certainly kind of get that uh, with Sanya. Like here, it's just we learn that he was once a Denarian. In the next book, we learn a bit more about that story. And, and in each of Sanya's appearances, we learn a bit more about him and, and what his deal is, I guess. Um, I like it. I really like it. I think that, that it's some of Jim's best character work is this sort of thing. Um and that takes us into the the last sort of point, uh, which is Harry snapping, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that scene where he goes all out on this thing. Um, and I think this is Harry taking out his guilt um, about Shiro. I yeah. mean, how, how did you read it? I mean, that is exactly how I read it as well. Like, knowing that Shiro is a captive, finding Nicodemus for Harry as well is a lot more, I guess, a lot more important than just beyond, you know, going beyond the shroud and stuff like that. It's, fuck, I, I wanted to avoid saying it, but this time, it's personal. Yeah. Um, it definitely is. I I think I, I don't think we've really seen Harry lose it like this yet in no, the series. Um, and I think that's what makes it this such a powerful scene, and it really does stand out uh, the way that he just goes for this guy with everything he's got. Um, and it's not like magic or anything; it's it's way more visceral. It's just like beating the crap out of him. I mean, the guy um, was asking for it. Oh, definitely. Um, and I think he thought that he was going to like turn the knights on Harry or something by making Harry do this. Yeah, I mean, I think it was more no, knowing how the knights operate, giving up. I think a similar thing happens with Nicodemus in another book, I think, where like he kind of revokes use of the coin for like a moment. Because he knows that if he's doing that, the knights won't attack him. And it's kind of... Yeah. I, I guess it's kind of playing them at their own game. He, like Quintus Cassius knows that by re- rejecting the coin, he's not going to die. Like The options are he gives up the coin and lives, or you know they fucking kill him and take the coin. So... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So I feel that's one way of doing it, but I just love that he's being a like a sarcastic little butthole about it. Like, <laughs> and just, you know, Justin's like, oh yeah, like 
you forget that I'm not a knight of the cross, I don't play by their rule book and just fucking beats him to a pulp just so he uh just so he remembers, I guess. Yeah. Um Do you agree with Dresden saying that he's not a good guy? Um I mean I think he's a good guy, but I guess in this context uh I agree with him. He's a good guy, but he's not as good as the Knights of the Cross. Yeah, I think there's, there's a bit of a spectrum, isn't there? Yeah. Chaotic um, good. <laughs> yeah, he would definitely be chaotic good, not lawful. Yeah. I think that's the difference, really. Yeah, cool. Um, okay, I think that that's, that really sums up all our main points for this week. Uh, unless there's anything else that you want to throw in, Rob. Um, not that I can think of at the moment. Um, so we've got the next couple of chapters. Uh, uh, Death Masks only has another five chapters. I know, I can't believe it. We're going to be on to book six. We are smashing through this series. We actually have a, a short story in between a couple of the bits, but we have a lot, um... Uh, behind us now uh, we're, and we're really cracking on um, so the way that we're going to do the next five chapters is we're going to do three chapters next week and two chapters the following week um, just to spread it out a little bit more and, and give us every last drop of that Dresdeny goodness um, yeah I think that that's everything kind of update wise uh, Rob do you want to take us out? Uh, yeah as always thank you for listening um your support is greatly appreciated. We've just crossed 5,200 downloads, which is crazy. We have a pretty regular or a steady flow of uh, streams and downloads, I guess. Um, our Patreon is now live, so be sure to check that out for getting episodes early, bonus content and stuff, which we're working on. Be patient. We've only been live for a few hours, days. Um, and yeah, with the Patreon and the podcast, share, follow, subscribe do your thing people and next week we'll be checking out chapters 29 30 and 31 of death masks <laughs> and you've been listening to the paranet podcast with your hosts me rob davis and me patrick lunn and we will see you next time bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.